you're on my time, I can reclaim it. Reclaiming my time. The solution is with women. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. I say jump back, honey, jump back. You got to decide. Do you want to be Nat Turner or Ike Turner? You do not get to be both. Hi, I'm Aisha. And I'm Uchachi. And this is Inside the Pink, a deep dive into the pink folds of the woman, exploring the experience from the inside out. How are you this week, Uchachi? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And as usual, very excited about this subject matter. And um, the listeners will find out why shortly. I think the social climate that we're in uh, also lends itself. Oh, my God this topic especially now as we're in the midst of me too Mm -hmm. and revisiting finally i think Mm -hmm. in depth um the r kelly case and just like all of these things happening forces us to really reconsider a lot of things particularly concerning black women it's it's perfect timing so do you want to tell us what we're discussing today so we are talking about strong specifically The strong black woman. Yes, we are diving really deep today into uh, the the badge of honor that many women wear. So as usual, guys, we're going to start off with defining strong and then we'll take it from there. So the definition of strong. So it's having or marked by great physical power, having moral or intellectual power having great resources as of wealth or talent, striking or superior of its kind, a strong resemblance, effective or efficient, especially in a specified direction, forceful, cogent, not mild or weak. Mm, I love the ending of not mild or weak. I feel like that's going to be very relevant. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that so the definitions are all really positive things, Mm -hmm. but then it gets negative when it's ascribed to a human being as the only thing they can possibly be. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that really stuck out to me was um, forceful, cogent, mm-hmm. the idea of being forceful. Um, there's also another definition of like withstanding, uh, enduring, enduring, and that's the that's not easily really, broken. That's the issue. I might as well tell you guys that this came to mind for two reasons. Number one, this. Uh, I call it my epic IG story thread where one day I just went in on the word strong. But even that, I've been thinking about it because I was dating someone who told me he he was, I'll say he he's not African-American, but he's of the diaspora. I mean, he told me that he hadn't dated many black women. And uh, he said, and I don't know, I think he said it jokingly, but I kind of think that it was based in reality that he was intimidated by strong black women. Now, He's he's a great person and we're friends, so this is not about him. But that comment compelled me to think about how we define women as strong and particularly black women as strong and how that informs and influences the way that we treat them and we handle them and they treat themselves. So that's what a lot of our discussion is going to orient around today. When we think about strong, immediately the black woman comes to mind but I also want to give definitions of words that are rarely ever used to describe black women so fragile which actually is used many times it's essentially what the patriarchy is built on um, it's used many times to describe white women um, Aisha's going to touch more on this but it's basically still a negative term and fragile is easily broken or destroyed lacking in vigor and another term that I want us to really pay attention to because it's a word that's really ascribed to black women is delicate and that term means pleasing to the senses generally pleasant 
marked by daintiness or charm of color, lines or proportions, marked by fineness or of structure, workmanship or texture, marked by care, skill or tact, requires careful handling. I love that, that you ended that. I'm so happy you defined that because... They, when things are strong, they're built to endure, they're built to last. You don't have to treat them delicately. Right. You do not have to treat them with kid gloves. And anyone who has ever felt discarded or abused or wronged or as if their humanness was disregarded, you know what it is like to exist in a world that does not see you as delicate. In any manner, delicate of mind, delicate of body. Um, emotion. Delicate of emotion. <laughs> there is no tact when approaching a black woman. Yeah. One thing I know personally, especially being a dark-skinned woman, I had somebody really close to me tell me that he didn't consider how I could ever be weak because I was dark-skinned and a black woman. So therefore, there was no way for me to be weak. He considered, he called me uh, brash. That was the term that he used. And he said, well, because you're, if you were lighter-skinned, you'd probably be a lot more polished. 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 Wow. I mean, this has the association with darkness and masculinity, Mm -hmm. but also the association with darkness and being of lesser value. And I think you see that play out a lot in um, modern dating and particularly our casual sex culture where you'll find that you can have a woman and there is this color cast system that sometimes informs the marriage market. Not for everybody. Not everybody buys into it, but it does exist. And you can find that you can have a, a darker skinned woman. She could have pretty white teeth she could be educated she could have a phd she could have a job she could have good mental health like (laughs) she knows she's she's winning um and you will still have men who will see her as a disposable object as somebody as you know i will use you for your emotional labor for your physical labor uh, by way of physical pleasure but i cannot bring you home to my mother correct so that's you know that example and also i think those women and and, and I, I think all of us go through heartbreak and that sort of thing but I do think that one of the things you experience as a darker skinned woman is that um, sometimes when you're dealing in romantic situations even professional situations it's almost as if you don't have feelings right. there is mm-hmm. this lack of regard for how people handle you right so that's what got us into it the strong black woman I mean we today we wear it as a badge of honor you brought up and you're going to bring it up a little bit later Maxine Waters you know saying famously saying I'm a strong black I'm simply woman. a strong black woman yes. um, you know and, and I think in some ways it is because it's a mark of the fact that we've survived right we've survived of slavery we've survived of oppression we're still here we're still kicking but there are a lot of ways in which that branding of black womanhood has adverse effects and in essence it really is is rooted in in slavery in chattel slavery it's you know the way we romanticized oppression by saying that you know these black women were always going to be loving always going to be nurturing always going to be there to solve problems and that they didn't break and in order to really justify the subjugation of black women and their abuse and their rape and their mistreatment we had to really define it strongly define it against white womanhood so if white womanhood was fragile was weak was delicate was worthy of protection, in particular protection against the hypersexual black man, then we had to strongly define black womanhood against that. And that was strong, uh, manipulative, not needing protection, not valuable, uh, enduring, can withstand anything. And that's really the root. And we see that in the ways that we portray black women in popular culture. So if you look at the mammy figure, you know, the pine saw lady, the Popeye's chicken lady, some 
some people would even say Oprah. You would have this woman who is always loving, always careful, always kind, always loyal, always there. She's strong. Um, and, and she's there to, you know, when we say black women saved your country again, like she's there in times of crisis to make everything okay. She doesn't break. She's calm. She's stoic. If you look at the Jezebel figure, uh, it's a different kind of strong, but in the sense she's disposable. She's sexually available, promiscuous and disposable, which makes her strong because she is sort of like strong in the sense that you re- reuse a commodity Tupperware. again and again. Tupper- girl, Good you said Tupperware. it. Good Tupperware. If you look at the angry black woman, right. she's she's brash. She's aggressive. She's strong in that way. Michelle Obama really takes that down in her in her book. Emasculating. Emasculating. But another, again, a, another form of strong. And I mean, even Michelle Obama, when she first came on the scene, I remember they were talking about the makeover she had to have. Like her eyebrows naturally grew with kind of a sharp arch and they kind of did what they had to do to soften her brows because Mm -hmm. everybody wanted to say she was not patriotic that she was too much too strong too brash and then even when she became like a media darling when she first you know when Barack was elected then there was this fascination with her arms which means you still haven't escaped <laughs> wanting to classify her as strong in some way. Her strong arms. Her strong or gone from strong, not even strong human, but the strong animal yes. based off of her body and how because she's very hippie and she has a big butt. Yes. And because of that, it was her own body betrayed her in the way that it, it allowed it, people took it as a way to dehumanize her. Absolutely. Um, Which is what it does. And also beyond dehumanizing, what it does is it takes the emphasis away from the oppression right it takes the emphasis away from the oppression and it normalizes it exactly. so instead of looking at this woman who is struggling to take care of kids and living in poverty and doing it all and being stoic and not complaining and suffering in silence you say that's a strong woman right so we don't question the oppression that or women of color experience in their communities and without their communities because they're strong i think and i know as we talk about this people may be asking like what exactly is wrong with being strong what is wrong with the strength and there's a dichotomy to the phrase on one hand it's used to celebrate us like Mm -hmm. because we are strong women and it comes from it's we're resilient yes it comes from surviving experiences um it comes from from years of oppression and having to adapt and readapt and realign ourselves in order to survive it Mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily that we were born strong Um, We are born like everybody else. We have the same emotions and things that happen to us like everyone else. But our situations have kind of forced us into positions where we have to deal in a certain way. Mm. So we use a term or a phrase to celebrate, you know, women like Ida B. Wells and Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth. We use it to, to celebrate them. We talk about Maxine Waters, who used a term in order to explain how she survived being attacked by Trump supporters. It's a phrase that is positive. The problem is, is that same phrase is used to discredit and demean black women. Um, It's used to describe cartoonish black characters like Tyler Perry's Medea, Martin's mom. Yeah. Comedy sketches. It's constantly used by comedians. We talk about the independent black woman. I don't need a man black woman. Um, These are all things that stem from the terminology or the phrase a strong black woman. 
I love that you brought up the comedians because I was thinking today of how when we were discussing the defeminization of black women, but also sometimes the emasculation of black men mm-hmm. and how so many famous black comedians, you know, wore drag and they did so in a way that evoked these negative stereotypes of black women and how it speaks to both the emasculation of them but also the defeminization so if you look at mama Payne, who was this aggressive she was like a, a combination of the mammy and the in the, the angry black woman or if you, fire, yeah. yeah um or if you look at um wanda on uh in living color played by jamie fox um if you look at shanene the same thing they're using it to evoke these defeminizing uh, aspects of of black womanhood. So it was interesting how uh, famous black comedians have played such a role in kind of perpetuating that narrative. The phrase also places black women and girls in danger um, because it puts us at risk Uh, It rationalizes violence against us. It rationalizes burdening us with more work than other people. I mean, we can talk about the McDonald's employee, Yasmin um, James, who was attacked by that white man in Florida, Mm -hmm. who was, instead of being uh, defended, she was left open. She was held back and left open in order to be attacked more by this man as opposed to people pulling this man off of her. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when you read headlines about it, it says... uh, McDonald's employee fight fought back or McDonald's employee swings or rather as opposed to man attacks McDonald's employee or even uh, another one is Jasmine Headley who was assaulted with her one-year-old baby used to drag her across the floor here in Brooklyn mm-hmm. um, she was at the benefits office and she was sitting on the floor because of the the place was so packed the security guard tells her to get off the floor she said I don't have anywhere to sit because I'm carrying my one year old baby I'm mm-hmm. tired mm-hmm. Um, they call it NYPD NYPD is dragging her across the floor exactly. with her child trying to take her child away from her so she can arrest her treating her as treating her child as like a football and then yes. treating her as a, as an animal mm-hmm. basically as if she doesn't have feelings toward this child that they yes. are trying to rip from her hands and it evoked so many emotions in me particularly one of slavery and that mm. of ripping children away from their parents mm. Mm. um particularly their mothers to sell and that's i mean and that is this strong we've come to celebrate it but ultimately it was a romanticization of mm-hmm. slavery it was a you know a way of saying these women are strong they can endure labor they can be abused they can be raped they can be subjected i mean ultimately in today we celebrate this word strong but it, it is it's used to position black women as the laborers of for everyone ahead of them in the social hierarchy right you know and Zerina Hurston says in their eyes are watching God is like the grandmother of the main character she says this is the way it's written guys the nigger woman is the mule of the world so far as I can see mm-hmm. you know meaning she can carry that heavy load Absolutely. And that's really what it's, I mean, we've come to celebrate it. And obviously, I think emotional resilience is, and survival is a beautiful thing. The fact that we are here, I mean, me particularly as a descendant of slaves. I mean, the fact that I am here today right. is a testament to somebody's strength, but more so, more significantly to somebody's resilience. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even in the workforce, when you go into corporate America, um, I, I've experienced this personally, and I know many women, ex- black women experience mm. this, but we are burdened with more work than our, our yes. co-workers or our peers, um, and then, but not given promotions, not given raises. Same or same um, salary. Same is. salary, less salary. Um, we're also more likely to be fired. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't speak up. 
uh, we're put on the uh, woman with the attitude, the angry black woman attitude uh, lists or whatever they want to call it. Even when you are, your anger is righteous and you have yes. a right to be angry because something is wrong in your area of work. Brought in when the company's in a crisis. Exactly. Uh, my mom's friend is, uh, she was a VP at a Fortune 500 company. When she left, they hired two white men to do the job she was doing. Right. So consistently when. <laughs> there you go. Um <laughs> It's definitely something that happens. Like they know that the job that many black women do requires more than one person, but they mm-hmm. will force a black woman to do all of it and then more, yes. and then tell her she's not doing enough. But then we'll coddle everyone else and say, "Do you need help? Or do you or do you require help? Or do you need any support?" Where that's never given for black women because you can handle it, you can do it. And a lot of black women won't seek it. No, absolutely, they won't. Yeah, I mean, I I was thinking a lot about. I started talking about this with my mom because we're gonna talk a little bit. Uh, later about healthcare. My mom is a physician. I really want her take on it. But I started thinking about strength training and the way we train our daughters. Mm-hmm. And the way we train our daughters, like this is a tough world. So I'm a, I'm going to get you accustomed to sucking it up and suffering in silence and being stoic. And also the way a lot of times we train our daughters to um, associate black womanhood and being strong with being selfless, of being of service to others, and of, you know, being of support emotionally financially sexually to everybody else in your life and neglecting yourself but really like I posted on IG story today I keep mentioning my IG stories they're kind of lit but <laughs> they are they really are I'm always on but I said today you know as I was thinking about this I was like you know it's it's like that Girl Scout badge is the badge of honor we give to black women once they've suffered enough in silence Right. You're strong. Congratulations. Some of us, we seek to, because we're also shamed otherwise. Mm. So we seek to have that badge of honor, quote unquote, um, in order to avoid being shamed for being human. Mm-hmm. Um, we're to avoid being shamed to be, we don't want to be seen as delicate. We don't want to be seen as fragile because we know that no one will see us like that. Mm-hmm. They won't give us that space. They won't give us that space to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. For a black woman to be vulnerable is almost to be an act of resistance. It is. And I take it. I take my vulnerability and wear it as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. I really do. I'll be the first one to tell. I'll tell a man. I'm like, don't handle me that way. I am sensitive. I do have feelings. I don't like the way you did that. Or a um, quick anecdote. I'm going to try not to be shady. But I quit my salsa team because there was a white woman who did something to me that was very disrespectful. And when I protested it, people were trying to really give her the benefit of the doubt and deny my feelings to deny my right to be a victim because she cried and I'm you know I said you know what if you can't see my humanity and you can't see why this grotesque act is wrong if I have to justify my humanness to you then I don't need to be on this team and ultimately they you know things happened and I'm back on the team that other woman is not but I stood up for my vulnerability I'm hurt I'm human you will see it you will acknowledge it and if you're not going to acknowledge it I'm going to leave this this scenario is right. not for me. Leave it so that you don't have to be subjected to it anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a good segue into mm-hmm. the Georgetown study that they did um, in 2017. So uh, if you're not familiar, Georgetown's Law Center, School Center on Poverty and Equality released a report. And in the report, it found that black girls between ages 5 and 14 are seen as more sexually mature and more knowledgeable about adult topics. So we believe that five-year-old black girls know more about sex than a 16-year-old. And then we also found, and I think this is really important, that black girls were seen as needing less nurture and care than their non-black counterparts, especially white women. So when black girls cry, 
mm-hmm. it's a problem. When white girls cry, it's a call to action. It's you have to, there's something that has to be done. They have to be cared for, nurtured mm-hmm. for. Their Take tears have to be wiped away. And they should, but they, and they should, should be. be. But so should black girls. Exactly. Whereas, yeah. but, but black women, when they cry, it's get over it. And this is what we see happen this will happen throughout the course of her life yeah where there will be men who will not understand her pain there will be men who will be unable to see how their actions who won't care how their actions affect her this this will happen with her co-workers who 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 won't care who won't give a damn if and the thing is if black women don't learn to care and to shout about their pain nobody else will you gotta have to demand it like zora neale hurston also says you know if you're silent about your pain they will kill you and say that you enjoyed it how much do you think parents play a role in nurturing this in black young women that, you know, your tears don't matter? I think so. In this study, they actually ask the questions across the board. So they don't tell you. Who, so it's a majority white people that mm-hmm. they asked these. Uh, they did the study with. But at the same time, they did. Ha- they did have black people in it. And they don't tell you who answered what. OK. So across the board. But what do you think? I think that black pe- black parents do play a part in this. Um, we have the term that mothers um, raise their daughters and mother their yeah, sons. Yes. Um, and I think this, that yep. lends to that mm-hmm. um, experiencing things themselves and knowing that this world is very cruel to black girls. And so trying to, it's a way to try and aid them to survive it when a lot of times they're stripping them away of their humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's not intentional. A lot of times it's really just trying to get their child to survive in the world that they know is harsh and painful and won't give them the space to be who they're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Unless they take it. Unless they take it. So it's just from birth I have and I mean we do it with black boys as well too kind of like the talk and to explain to them who the police really are and explaining to them like why you shouldn't do certain things and why you shouldn't have your hair this way and you know trying to keep just simply keep them alive so mm-hmm. I think parents do have an absolute um, part in this I also think that sometimes we ourselves have bought into the stereotypes and bought into these ideologies sometimes I think that we ourselves think that our children are little adults oh absolutely when a parent tells a young girl you know don't wear that outfit because you know you're gonna be around men instead of thinking like okay well these men should not be looking at my 10 year old you know or make sure you cover your legs or you know we make young women responsible particularly young black women responsible and if young black women do show the normal signs of coming of age and having schoolgirl crushes all very normal um they're fast exactly (laughs) and it's and what the study called that was adultification and it Mm. so it dehumanizes black children particularly Mm -hmm. black women and it robs them of what is the most important and what signifies childhood, which innocence. is innocence, adultification, turning them into adults because of our own biases, because of our own experiences, mm-hmm. takes that all away from them and makes them age faster than what is they're supposed to. You do find that um, in the black community, a lot of times young black women are preyed on. There's a statistic that uh, for underage pregnancies for black women, 40% of the fathers are over the age it's of 21. 20, yep. I, I just read that the other day on Twitter and I was blown away. But we do pray, well, I won't say we because men do prey on young black women because number one, there's the, the assumption that they're fast. But also, number two, there's the assumption that nobody's going to come to their defense. They're going to be quiet. Don't say that. And another way that's being strong, be strong. Oh, he, you know, he, he molested you. He raped you. Let's not talk about that. 
let's hide it you probably wanted it anyway mm-hmm. so we're going to keep quiet about it we're going to cover mm-hmm. it up we're not going to talk about it protect the uncle protect the coach protect the minister protect the dude down the street protect everyone but, but you. you so you know Uchachi you you watched <laughs> yeah, I didn't see you yet because I y'all I had a salsa performance and I could not be triggered by R. Kelly so I'm going to watch it a little bit later but Uchachi watched it so I watched uh, part Parts one to four. I'm still waiting. I'm still going to later on watch parts five and six. But the overwhelming theme in all of this was that people do not protect black women. Or believe. Or believe black women. And we have failed, failed black girls. Our system as a community, as a country. And it's under, it's almost like expected for America to fail black girls mm-hmm. um in so many ways they do uh black black girls are more likely to be suspended actually i think the, the statistics are that black girls are the most suspended and expelled of schools even compared to black boys wow um, that blows my mind so we've failed them in the school systems we failed them in the penal systems we have failed them in uh health care um but i think the most painful part is that Black people have also failed black girls. The network that helped R. Kelly do what he had to do. Mm. I mean, his road manager, Demetrius Smith, who talks about forging papers for Aaliyah, Aaliyah, I'm sorry, um, so they can get married when she was 15. So the pa- she had papers that said she was 18. That's crazy. The, how he used other women to kind of uh, groom these young girls um how he used his you know his uh, bodyguards to pick up women how his wife was you know being abused and how he kept her in the house how he took advantage of sparkle's own niece, like sparkle's niece and like you know had her in making child pornography using her and how at the end of all of this he still never made it to jail simply because the jury did not see these women as victims but as perpetrators of crimes against them it's so hard even i remember being in middle school when the vid the tape came out and everybody wanted to see the tape and it wasn't until i was an adult that i realized how everybody that that took part in that mania was victimizing her again and again and again because this is a 14 year old girl and complicit and right and and it wasn't it wasn't disturbing it was it was uh uh, what's the word? Sensational. It wasn't like appalling. It was sensational. And there was this assumption it was a fast girl that he met and had sex with. And the thing is, is that we're calling child porno- so porn. So pornography is not um, illegal. Mm-hmm. However, the child part is what makes it illegal. Very much so. So <laughs> having a minor and your and barbershops are showing this. Yep. This is, this is a tape on like VHS. You so you, could, Everybody had the tape. Everyone had the tape. And you would go into, <laughs> you can go into a barbershop during that time and they would pop it in as if they were watching wrestling or like Mm -hmm. a movie and they'd be laughing and like making jokes about this 14 year old girl with this grown 30 year over 30 year old man and it just and it's showed again just how we weren't respecting we weren't holding dear to us black girls she wasn't a girl in there she was not a girl she was a grown woman and even just Mm -hmm. like the shame even if this was like a grown woman the shame that she must have gone through or that she would go through indicates how much we don't even recognize the just the complexity of a black woman as as well too mm-hmm. in in r kelly is just one very large part of this oh, problem God. there's so I, it's it's a it's a it's a tale i mean the the number of black women who 
have historically been abused and had to be, be silent. We'll never know. I actually, it's my belief that most black women who are violated and abused, especially sexually, never go on to never get justice, never go on to talk no. about it. It's hush. It's part of their strength. It's absolutely to get to survive it, to go through it, to mm-hmm. say like this happened. If they do speak out on it, to say that this happened to me, but I made it through. Mm-hmm. And that's important. They should make it through. They should heal. Absolutely. It's necessary to heal. But at the same time, it's also important that we get justice. Because even on your IH's IG, once again, it's popping. <laughs> justice is, and this is a quote from Cornell West, justice is a public display of love. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. it indicates how the society loves the person who was victimized. Mm-hmm. And when we lack justice, when we don't receive justice, it indicates how much they are hated or disregarded. Yeah, I'm thinking about um, justice. I'm thinking about Marissa Alexander. Uh, she, her, you remember her? Mm-hmm. Uh, she fired warning shots. Warning shots. Okay, I didn't even aim for the dude's head at uh, her abusive husband. He was had a history of abuse. She had a young child. She was concerned about. Fired warning shots, and the judge did not allow her to evoke the famous stand your ground law. And this is in the this is in light of Trayvon uh, Martin and George Zimmerman, who still walks the earth as a free man because he doubted her story he didn't believe her but this there's this, this idea that black women are not worthy of protecting so we 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 don't allow them to protect themselves and we don't protect them we we punish black women by not protecting them and when they try to protect themselves we punish them i mean the girl that Tupperware. yeah the uh, that goes right back to the girl who uh, Yasmin James who is being punished for fighting for immediately going to defense mode and fighting oh, for herself. Wouldn't. Meanwhile, she was dragged across the counter by a collar by, over a straw by a grown man who was twice her size. He, she didn't know if he had a razor, a gun, and that's exactly she was like that should be understood. She's like, I didn't know if he had a gun. I didn't know if he had a razor. I didn't know if I was going to survive this. Right. I just knew I had to fight to get away. That's crazy. And you know when you. Th- we talk about all these things that you have to wonder how this affects the uh, mental health of a black woman and what this does to us. Mm-hmm. Statistically, one in five women are going to experience depression during their lifetime, but depression rates for black women are 50% higher than white women. Um, and black women are 20% more likely to report psychological distress in comparison to their non-black counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, many things, and because of racism and uh, sexism, um, discrimination, poverty, these things all play a part in our mental health and this idea of take it to jesus be quiet almost like to have a mental health problem disqualifies your black womanhood right you'll even find women who are educated of the world who will not see a therapist it's uh it's (laughs) so when i was in college i actually uh one of my uh for a family planning class, I had to, to write a dissertation and prove a public health problem. And what I proved that was a public health problem was the issues of mental health in the black community and the lack of um, the lack of resources and just the lack of attention to the mental health of black women and how it was it was killing black women mm-hmm. and how because of that physically killing black women through either um, manifestations of physical illness or suicide, which is become which is also very much a, a situation that we don't talk about in our community it was also affecting their children children would be more likely to be physically abused 
by parent by parents who did not have checked mental health um, or had mental illnesses that went left were left unchecked. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also more likely to be in the foster care system, and we know what happens with Black children in the foster care system. They're never um, they're rarely adopted. Um, and they end up growing until they phase out of the system and mm-hmm. end up becoming um, fending for themselves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When they turn eighteen, they're essentially mm-hmm. kicked, like literally kicked out of a system, and mm-hmm. then like left to fend for themselves. So these children, you know, sometimes they don't make it to college. If they do, they don't have the, the support needed to do so. Um, and this all comes from stems really from this stereotype of strong black woman. So there's a book called Shifting the Double Lives of Black Women in America. It was written by Sharice Jones and Kamiya Shorter Gooden. Um, and they turn they uh, coined a phrase called Sisterella Complex. Mm-hmm. And it means that there it is functional depression experienced by black women that is influenced by the obligation of strength mm-hmm. and character characterized by selflessness and self silencing in an effort to defy stereotypes and appear strong. I don't know if you read that famous New York Times article about the epidemic of black infant mortality yep. rates. Groundbreaking article in New York Times maybe last year. Black infants in America are twice as likely to die as white infants. And it's like a rate that hasn't changed. In fact, it's gotten worse since prior to 1850 when healthcare was significantly less advanced. But one of the things they said is they attributed that high infant mortality rate to the impact of black women enduring systemic oppression and in particularly having to endure it and swallow it. And it manifests. You're being silent about your pain, but it is killing you. It's just quietly killing you and killing the life inside of you. Exactly. And and I'll segue also into just in general, healthcare black women three to four times more likely to die due to pregnancy-related issues. The University of Virginia surveyed uh, 222 medical students and residents who were white and asked them about some common uh, misconceptions about black pain. Do you think that black people, uh, their blood coagulates faster? Do you think they feel less pain? And and nearly half of the respondents affirmed these biases. And so this is having an impact that when black people, in particular black women, come in and literally voice their pain, even in the healthcare system, we don't believe them. And it impacts our livelihood our it's, life it's ignored i mean we can look at, at serena williams who had to almost with all her money all of her fame <laughs> everything almost died it, had she not uh av- advocated for herself and said no i feel something weird there's a blood, cl- blood clot in my leg you need to f- take care of it now because it's going to travel up and it's going to kill me and she had to say that under direct like after having given birth i just read a you know a, t- a tweet about oh i can't remember who the name was but her daughter just died on uh, giving birth right now the same reason just not being just signs not being paid attention to because she was a black woman and just assuming that these signs were either being made up mm-hmm. or that she'd be fine Yeah, this is what I was talking to my mom about. My mother was saying that not only are there biases, like, for example, they believe that Hispanic people are hysterical. So don't take them seriously because they exaggerate everything. So there's those biases and there's the economic biases. Like you assume that like, well, they won't be able to afford this treatment anyway. So I'm not even going to mention it. I mean, it goes across the board. It's it's deep. And I told you before another episode, I'm terrified of having a child, not so much for pushing that baby out, but for the fact that if anything goes wrong, I'm scared they're not going to see me as a fully human being right. and give me the care they would give somebody like me if, if that, you know, I was white. That's right. Um, I think and talking about Serena Williams, I just want to get a little bit quickly into also fitness, the fitness yes, world. Yes, please do. Um, yes. And how um, the fitness world, there is this lack of... Um, so 
the weird thing is, is that you want to be seen as strong in the fitness world. It's necessary to be seen so. But at the same time, you don't want to take away from when you need help. Mm-hmm. I lift weights. I've been doing it for a couple of years. There was a point in time in my life when I was an extreme gym rat. I had plans of uh, fitness competitions. Okay, and- we can still do that, girl. <laughs> no, I mean, you can. When I say we, I mean, I'm going to be supporting you in the audience. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> but, you know, life happened. Um, and I kind of felt like very off of what I was doing. And one of the things that um, I noticed... Um, and it's not I've talked to a couple of trainers about this and depending they say that it's not like it's not one of the uh, they consider it a big issue but there is the idea that black women are stronger than their counterparts mm-hmm. there's this, a, there's this thought about this I mean Serena Williams is a is an example of this how she so Serena Williams the reason that she is good is the way she is because the way she trained mm-hmm. and so because of the way she trained it's made her body to look a certain way she's mm. very muscular very beautiful has an amazing body but she has been deemed as masculine because mm. of it or too strong because of it and it's what her her opponents use as a way to bring her down. Oh, with Sharapova, they've yeah. always contrasted, made her fragile and beautiful, exactly. and Serena's like the beast. And Serena's the beast, and they mm-hmm. do it intentionally to take away from her ability and from her goals, and she's not seen as a complex human being. Even when she was complaining, or when she was talking about her experience with birth and with pregnancy, people wouldn't give her that space to be vulnerable, one, mm-hmm. and to be in a situation where she said that I felt I wasn't strong. Mm. And people wouldn't give her the space to do so. I mean, you and you see it across the board with um, tr- with black track run- uh, track and field runners and Olympic runners and how they're treated when things that they're supposed to get over mm-hmm. they experience and people don't want to believe that they should have the space to be delegate. I mean, you were we were also discussing fitness and how a lot of people are hesitant to build the muscle because they right. don't want to be seen as masculine. But then the assumption that black women their bodies are more masculine exactly i mean i used to be when i first started i went to this gym and it was a lot of men in there i used to be laughed at in the gym when i would like Mm, up my weights yeah i would be loading the plates up and they would start laughing when they would see me actually lift it because before Mm. it was like oh she can't do it and then it'll be like oh so she can do it so what are you trying to do be a man like Mm -hmm. and that was the that was the constant versus just to the point where i would take my weights if I wasn't at like a squat rack where I couldn't move it, I would take the weights into a private room because I didn't want to be left at anymore. And it it was painful. Oh my God. Um, and I, so I would take my weights and I would put them in a room and I wouldn't bring the weights back out, which I know the gym staff hated, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't bring them out because I didn't want anybody to see me with the uh, weights. Like, wow. wow. Um, and and it, it wasn't until fitness became kind of almost more mainstream and people like Serena yeah, became more, more mainstream mm-hmm. Masi Arias these people who are um, who have really amazing bodies became more mainstream where it, I felt more comfortable being open with my ability to lift and lift you know heavy yeah I um, I experienced the opposite of that for many years I was in ballet and uh, you know and told to starve um, mm-hmm. because you know ballet people don't realize that one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of black ballerinas there are many reasons but one is it's a belief that white womanhood is the epitome of of ethereality of mm-hmm. beauty fragility and so ballerinas have to be incredibly strong to right. do what they do Absolutely. they are athletes of the finest form but you have to look fragile 
And that is why it's so hard to do what they do because they be super thin and super strong. And it's and my body as it naturally is built was seen as masculine. I had darker skin. I had broader features. I had a booty and I had to starve. And there are a lot of people in the ballet world. One of their issues, even Misty Copeland, since she's become principal dancer, has he lost even more weight. But people don't realize that one of the reasons we struggle to put a, a black woman on stage and make her a prima ballerina is because we are still so entrenched in our idea and our notion of black women as strong and as even masculine that we can't see her as this ethereal fairy light fragile figure exactly mm-hmm. so and you know and we'll have to talk about you know just the, the, the defeminization of black women and that's basically yeah because it, it another death it feels it's especially in the fitness world that's exactly mm-hmm. what happens they continue to defeminize women mm-hmm. um and it all goes back to oh she's so strong so because strong is consistently synonymous with masculine yeah therefore um you can't be a feminine woman and black women have been fighting for their femininity forever fighting for and misunderstanding it because what the the truth is we've defined white womanhood as fragile black women are strong right two sides of the same patriarchal coin both of the concepts are oppressive Mm -hmm. and womanhood when you look at womanhood womanhood is creativity it's it's cooperation it's sensuality it's body consciousness it's instinct it's intuition it's all of these things it's yen it's it's and there's no one way to be a woman but it's also taking care of yourself there's nothing that says i have to be selfless to be feminine there's nothing that says i have to be sacrifice everything i don't have to be dying on a cross to be feminine there's no one way but i think for a lot of black women it it feels uncomfortable the strong thing is like feels oppressive but it's like well i don't want to be weak and fragile that feels oppressive it's like yeah because neither of them is femininity it's femininity that's been defined by your oppressor so let's find what femininity really is i mean a lot of what i do with women love power is that redefining femininity and helping women find it for themselves and I find that particularly with women of color there's a lot of confusion and ambivalence about that some people feel guilty for wanting to be more feminine because it feels like you're giving up your black womanhood Right, because it's for so long it's been separated from the idea of femininity. And I also, I always tell, um, when it comes to masculinity and femininity, I always tell black people, we cannot define ourselves by what we've been given. We need to find our own definition. And I think this is a time where black people especially are trying, are starting to shift and redefine and recognize that what we've been given has essentially oppressed us. And what we need to do is find our own definitions. That's it. Um, and find our own and mold ourselves into a way. And a lot of it has to do with giving everyone the space to be uh, masculine or feminine in their own right. Because it doesn't require gender. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that is, we're all masculine and feminine because it's an energy. Um, So it's the way that we combine the two. Absolutely. There there are beautiful aspects of, of femininity. There's beautiful aspects of masculinity. At the end of the day, they are the personification of two uni- two balanced universal forces. Right. So what's your gratitude? the gratitude journal this week? Um, <laughs> well, thinking about this, I'm actually really grateful for my mother. And my mother, she's a strong black woman in the sense that she... As she's a physician and she has always put care ahead of making money, good or bad. She's put care. She's a better doctor than she is, you know, I think right. business person, even though her business is, you know, does well. But she has always put my needs ahead of her own. And to the point where as I've gotten older, I've been very mindful of not being a burden on her because I realized how much she's sacrificed for me in being this strong woman. I know she's done it out of done it out of love, but that's also what she knows. And in her being so strong, she allowed me to be free. 
And so as much as I'm like, ah, we got to discard the strong black woman, I realize I'm the product of that. And because my mom was like, you will not live like I had to live. I will give you everything I did not have. You will not go through abuse. I will allow you to define yourself and live your life and pursue your dreams. I have to sometimes stop and think like, damn, damn, my mom sacrificed a lot for me to do that. Like she was strong. She was selfless, you know, in order for me to sit here and rally against the strong black woman in order for me to be free. So I'm forever, forever, forever grateful for that. And, I, and I'm encouraging her as she, as she's getting better. Like I'm rubbing off on her. Like she now does things just for her. Just but for it, it, it yeah. takes it, it took a while. My gratitude seems so much more. Um, oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, no, I'm get emotional. Like, wow, girl. I, I was like, wow, like that is like very like. I thought I still had that discussion with my like, mom, and I was like, <laughs> I literally thought about it. I was like, damn, my mom's gone through hell and back, and in order for me to be living this life. Mm-hmm. Mine is as point. Well, I don't know. I, well, anyway, but what I'm writing to this week is that I'm grateful for the squat rack and what it represents for me in my life. I have a goal to squat 300 pounds by the end of the summer. Ooh. I know. <gasps> I'm I'm trying not to be stressed out by it because at the end of the day, as long as if I add weight, because my PR is 275, and that was two years ago. Um, and my as long as I um add weight I'll be okay because I'm currently I think my PR right now is like 225 and I'm really grateful for even discovering the squat rack um I have a knack for it I like I people always come to me and they're like who taught you how to squat and I'm like I went to the squat rack I did it and it was I had perfect form I don't know where it came from I don't know how it happened Um, but it really represents just the strength that my body has that I didn't know existed girl And you're owning that strength, though, and yeah, and on I, your terms. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. And while I said that I've been laughed at, there have been really amazing people, particularly black men who, like I said, I was in the gym that was majority of black men who have really encouraged me in lifting and who have really like stood by me. And <laughs> I don't like being, I don't like spotters, but I do need them um, from time to time. And I really am appreciative of trainers um, who I've come across and who see me, and because they are just completely, they are, they are encouraged by what I do mm-hmm. they aid me so I'm so grateful for that and I think the squat rack is definitely a place men experience a camaraderie in the gym that I sometimes don't experience because I'm mm-hmm. not a man but I've but recently um, I've been given that by not only black men but black women yes. who have been who um, come to me like I have siblings like my sisters we all we squat and we you know we do this as a family um, so like just having that camaraderie in the gym and having people like gather around you and like cheer you on when you're getting to your PR it's one of the best feelings in the world so I'm grateful for the squat rack and what it represents in my life right now that was profound girl <laughs> yes I mean I love but I love to you know to end um, and I'll let you end in but you're owning what strength means to you yes it's really mm-hmm. something that is in outside of the gym i'm of course like we all like uh, there's various ways that i show strength but really in the gym it's about my physical being mm-hmm. and just like being in tune with like what my body can do and how far i can push it it's a matter of goals and have and building mental strength mm-hmm. because it's yeah, like your body it's can mind over matter. mind over matter yeah. because like we're always afraid of what our bodies can do because we're afraid we're going to do something wrong to it mm-hmm. but um, a lot of times it's really what's in our heads and it's why i have so many like physical goals yeah. um outside of it i want to like 
But at the same time, it also reminds me that I'm a complex human being. Mm -hmm. So while I can squat my life away, I also cry. I also am in it. I do get in pain. I do, exactly. you know, from time to time, pull a muscle and it hurts. Yes, and your feelings can hurt. And my your body can hurt. Your feelings can hurt. You know, sometimes I cry when I don't reach a goal or sometimes I'm, I feel offended and mm-hmm. or I feel hurt or I feel like, you know, there's so many things that happen. So it reminds me of complexity and, and to embrace that. Yes. Human. I'm human. We are human. We're very much, very much human. We are, we are human. not superhuman. We are very much human. Public service announcement. <laughs> we are human. Very much so. This was great. This is good. This is good. This is necessary. Mm, very necessary. And we, we definitely want to hear your feedback on that. We always say we want you to subscribe. We want you to comment. Please do. We also want to, this, particularly with this this episode, yes. all of you, black or white, because yes. we, we they're both two sides you know, of, of, of the same coin, these definitions. We want to hear what you have to say on Instagram. Please talk back to us. We want to start this dialogue. So on Instagram, follow us at Inside the Pink Podcast. You can also email us at Inside the Pink Podcast at gmail.com. And like Aisha said, comment, rate, subscribe on all of your streaming podcast platforms. And we will see you next time. Peace and love, guys. Bye.